Is suicide ever okay? What about cremation? A couple of questions we'll deal with today on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hello again and welcome to Abounding Grace. Our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor, is about to wrap up our study in 1 Samuel. And we do so by delving into some rather tough subjects, death, suicide, and cremation. Life lessons come in a variety of ways and sometimes from unsuspecting sources. David would learn a valuable lesson from the life of Saul, as we're about to see today. God used King Saul in David's life to teach a critical lesson, and that is what the end of the wicked will be and what unbridled sin leads to. Saul didn't end his life well, but that doesn't have to be your story. Here's Pastor Ed in 1 Samuel 31. I don't believe it was by accident today, as I was hosting the live radio show, that a man by the name of Ace called in. Now, I didn't immediately remember Ace's first call. Uh, he had called the show before. And he had called the show, a radio show. He dialed the number on his phone to talk to someone live in the midst of his suicidal thoughts. He was ready. As one person described it, it sounded like he was ready to sign off. And he began to share some of the things that were going on in his life. He began to share to get them out. He had mentioned that he struggled some PTSD and all the things going on in his mind. And, and he had come to the conclusion that it was hopeless. And we said, no, no, no. Give us your number, Ace. Let's get in touch with you. There's a brother in the church that can serve you. And just give us a chance. Just give us a chance to talk things through. And so we got his number, and there was some ministry going out, and Randy connected with him. And if you listen today, you know, he called today, and he was a different man. He wasn't in the pit of hopelessness anymore. He, he wasn't ready to end his life anymore. He was alive. He was making the changes in his life. He had... He had been able to get through that difficult time with just a little bit of help and a lot of prayer and the very power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And what is he talking about today? He's praying about his relatives. He's praying about a surgery that's upcoming for his sister. He's talking about getting his house in order. And if you listen, he was actually at the dealership. He said he was at the dealership, took a break for whatever he was doing to, to try to trade in his truck or his car that had high payments and get one that would give him lower payments because he's so much in tune with what God wants to do in his life that he's getting his finances in order so he can be used greater from the Lord. I mean, it's an amazing thing that God can do. It's not, it's not a radio station, and it's not the humans that, it's not us that are in his life, although we become tools in the hands of God. It's the power of God to change a life. And so if you're suicidal, and I realize that, that there are some listening right now live, you know, you're listening to the Bible study right now, that's your place. Ask for help. 
Ask for help. Let us come alongside of you and pray with him. Pray through this time. And maybe you're listening to this. You know, somebody sent you a link or there's a little video clip of this or you got a CD and popped it into your CD player. Ask for help. You can contact us here at the church at calvaryaurora.org or uh, you can call the church, um, our church, 303-628-7200 or... I mean, there are churches up and down on every street in your neighborhood. You probably see one driving to the market. Um, Certainly they can help. Somebody can help. Ask for help. Suicide is not from the Lord. Ask for help and we'll pray with you. We'll give you Bible scriptures. We'll find some resources to give you. We'll walk, walk alongside of you as God repairs your life, as God restores your life, and God reinvigorates your life. What Saul did here was wrong. And what Saul did in asking his armor bearer to do was wrong. It was sinful. It was and it is and it forever will be. And your life matters. People love you. Your life touches other lives. And so I wanted to touch on that because that's an important question. And the Bible is a real book. It's living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter that we've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And what that means is that any issue in life, God has spoken on it to bring light in our lives and to give us clarity to take another step and to take another breath and to give just one more chance to the situation One more chance, really, for the God of the situation to intervene. And so when you're studying the Bible, it has a lot to say about these things. And I'm encouraged by that, that the Lord would bring about truths to spare lives. Verse 7 now, as Saul and his sons are dead, prophetically fulfilling the, the word of the Lord through Samuel. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those who were on the other side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled. And the Philistines came and dwelt in them. So it came to pass the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Geboa. And they cut off his head and stripped his, off his armor and sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim it in the temple of their idols and among the people. And then they put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreth and fashioned his body to the wall of Beth Shan. Now with the victory came the spoils, unfortunately, for the Philistines. They got the cities and the possessions. And the Philistines took great joy in abusing the body of Saul. It's not unlike, as they cut off his head, and it's not unlike what we're seeing with ISIS today. A very good picture of the ancient Amalekites or Philistines. Just vicious cruelty with no regard for human life whatsoever. No regard for the sanctity of women or children or life itself. And so they strip off his armor, cut off his head, And they parade it both from place to place in their land, finally displaying it in their temples, as we'll learn when we study 1 Chronicles. The armor was put in the temple of their goddess Ashtoreth, and the head was put in the temple of Dagon. And finally, they publicly display the mutilated corpse of Saul and his sons outside the city of Bethshan, where we will be on one of the stops of our tour to Israel. 
They take King Saul's body, they fashion it to the wall, they cut his head off, pass it around from city to city. And understand from the concept or the perspective of a, of a Jewish person of the day, to not receive a proper burial was both humiliating and sacrilegious. And for the body to be mutilated like this and then exposed was even more scandalous. And so the Philistines were letting their people know and their idols know that they had won a great victory over their chief enemy, the people of Israel. It really, what they were saying is Dagon triumphed, triumphed over Jehovah. That's what they believed. And we'll find that not to be true in later studies. Verse 11. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh and Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and traveled all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. Which leads us to another one of those questions that comes up, and I know that the Bible study ending 1 Samuel chapter 31 isn't the most popular of topics, death, suicide, and now the topic of cremation. But I do want to mention that because, again, that is a common question. In verse 12, it says, All the valiant men arose and traveled all night. They took the body of Saul and the bodies of son, and it says at the end of their sons, and they burned them there, which would be the equivalent of what we would see today as cremation. And so the another common question that comes up, um, that comes up often is, is cremation a viable option as well as a traditional burial service? You know, you can choose between a traditional burial service at the loss of a loved one, and you can also choose cremation. Is cremation okay for the believer's body? And a lot of times that question is asked in a very genuine, sincere way, because then the question is, what about the resurrection? You know, if you, if you cremate the body, then what will happen in the resurrection? And I think it's a good question to ask. And I, I like what Pastor Chuck has taught us over the years. And I'll quote him here when he said, and I quote, Cremation does in 37 minutes what nature will do in 37 years with the body. And it's just a practical response. It only speeds up the process of natural decomposition. It reduces the body back to dust that it was created from. Remember Genesis chapter 3 verse 19? In sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And personally, I see as a pastor no problem with cremation, both personally as just as a man and also scripturally. You see, the body, even though we place great emphasis on the body today, even as the Bible speaks about how we take great care of our body, the Bible even says this, no one hated their own flesh. And, and if you go, well, you know, I don't, I don't really like my flesh all that much. Okay, let's test that. All of you had a great day at work today. Yes, we had a lot of yays. Great, excellent. So tomorrow, let's not spend so much time on your body before you go to work. Just get up and go to work like you went, got up from bed. Don't brush your teeth, don't comb your hair, don't change your clothes, nothing. And so try that, try that in your life. And with the exception of our brother back there, most people don't. Most people don't go to work in their pajamas. 
although there was a season here uh, when I was working in the business world that there was a gal that came to work in her pajamas. She worked nights, I guess you give it to her, but she came to work in her pajamas. It was the first I ever saw in my life. I said, oh, Colorado. Welcome to Colorado, Ed. <laughs> She's a great gal, man. She is such a faithful worker, but coming to work in your pajamas, come on now. Turn over to First Second Peter chapter 1. We love our bodies, but our body is not the real you. And the point I'm trying to make is that we spend so much time on our bodies. We spend so much time trying to reduce the, the aging process and, and to, to cover up blemishes and, and whatever. We comb our hair. We do, we do. We take so much. We place so much emphasis on our bodies that we may forget that the body is only a temporary tent where you and I dwell in for just a little while. It is only the mechanism on earth today that God uses to animate and communicate our personality, our, our soul, and our spirit. Now, that's no reason. Again, it's very similar to the earth that's been created. The earth has been created for us to be good stewards of it, but we also recognize that the earth is going to be destroyed and a new heavens and a new earth is coming. Just like our bodies are going to be replaced with new bodies, but that doesn't give us permission just to wreck our bodies. It doesn't give us permission just to trash the earth, but rather to take care of it as good stewards as unto the Lord. It's similar on a very practical way. When you, you get a car, you take care of it as much as you can so it'll last as long as it can. Uh, you want to get your money's worth out of a car and you don't just kind of take, take advantage of it and destroy it because if, oh, you know, I can always get a new one. They're pretty expensive. And, and who wants another car payment, for goodness sake? I mean, nobody does, really, for that matter. And so you take care of the things that you have because you want them to last. You've made an investment in it. And so the investment that God has made in us is through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So you want to take care of your bodies, even though, hey, it's not permanent. Our bodies are, not, are in the natural process of decay right now. Our bodies are not getting better and better. They're winding down. And over time, things aren't working the way they're supposed to be working. And things aren't healing as fast as you want them to heal. Why? Because it's appointed once for a man to die. And then the judgment. The reality of sin is that the wages of sin is death. And death, by definition, is the separation of our soul and spirit from our body. And so the body is not the real you, although we spend so much time on it. Notice with Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, would you go there with me to verse 12? As Peter describes death for us, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Therefore, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know them and are established in this present truth. Yes, I think it's right. As long as I'm in this tent... A tent is temporary. You guys go camping, you put the tent up, you take the tent down. A tent is very temporary. It's not like building a house with a strong foundation. This tent is temporary. We're, we're going to leave this tent. As long as I'm in this tent, as long as I'm here, I'm going to stir you up, verse 13, by reminding you, knowing shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. After the soul and spirit depart, the body is no longer you. The real you is beyond your physical into the spiritual. Remember what Jesus said? 
Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. He said, whatever I tell you in dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach out on the housetops. And do not fear those that kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather, fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The destructive power of God. As you survey life, it's unfortunate I mean, when you think of it, it's unfortunate in some of the ways that some of our loved ones have died in, in fire. And there's car accidents and house or factory fires and so many in the early church were cremated as they were burned at the stake for their faith. And so when a question comes up between burial and cremation, it's just really a personal decision that a family makes. And they make it as unto the Lord. The Bible doesn't forbid cremation. You know, it's interesting how these two things are in the same chapter where the Bible strongly forbids suicide but doesn't forbid cremation. It says in the same chapter, we have a strong word from the Lord on one thing and another thing where he leaves the decision to us personally. But I was thinking about this as we close. You know, as we wind down in the chapter, I was just thinking about this that... I want to be in the generation that doesn't die. Do you? (laughs) I want to be in the generation that doesn't die. The Bible promises, according to 1 Corinthians chapter, let's read it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Get over there with me. And we'll flip the pages over and move the apps if you have to. 1 Corinthians 15. I want to be in the generation that doesn't die. There's a promised generation that will not die. An exception. Because in chapter 15 of verse In verse 50, it says, Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit intercorruption. But behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed." Paul's talking about the rapture of the church being reunited with the Lord in the air. Glorious, expectant, can happen at any time. Do you want to be in that generation? I hope so. I hope so. Okay, back in 1 Samuel. Look look with me at verse 13. The end of Saul's life and reign. A sad life, not the type. You know, we learn by examples uh, in the scriptures, the Bible says that these things have been written for at our admonition on the ends of the age. Like we, the, the, the true stories of the men and women that have gone before us are written so that we can learn from them. And they are examples. And there are two types of examples. There are good examples and there are bad examples. And you have to be so careful of bad examples, especially now. Stepping away from the scriptures for a second. Because the Bible says that evil company will corrupt good habits. So bad examples now and hanging out with bad examples, they're just going to make you less of a believer. They're going to make you less fervent. You know, you think about the people you're hanging around with right now. Are they taking you closer to the Lord or are they moving you farther away? Well, you know what? We come to church together. Well, that's great. Amen. What do you do when you're not here? Well, you know, I don't think I can really share that from the testimony, Ed. I know because evil company will corrupt good habits. Maybe you're the one that's corrupting other good habits and you need to repent. God is calling you to a higher level of living, not a lower level. He's calling you upward, not downward. 
He's calling you to be someone who you're not and away from who you were instead of dabbling one foot in the world and maybe, you know, a little toe in the church and then you're living for the things of the world and then coming, you know, being in a church environment so you can look like you're spiritual and you can act like you're spiritual, but what you have the appearance of, you have what you look like, you, you look, you have the appearance of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. And Saul is one of those examples that you want to learn from not to copy. I don't want to be like King Saul. And, and you notice in verse 13, it says, then they, then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and then they started fasting seven days. That's just it. That's the end. It's over for Saul. And Saul had such a life to follow. It was so sad. It was hard at times. It was stern. It was a stern warning for me. I, I saw so much of when Saul was taking things into his own hands and being fleshly. You know what? The Bible says it's a mirror, and I could see myself at times in Saul. I could see some of the decisions I've made at times. I could see taking things into my own hands and my own life. I could see it. It's partly why, you know, I don't want to be like Saul. I don't want to see any of my life in him, but unfortunately... We do, if we're honest and open before the Lord. Remember with, with, with Saul, it's not how you start the race that matters, it's how you finish. Because Saul started really well and he finished really bad. You know, I, I see so gloriously the opposite in the life of Saul of Tarsus, where he started out so bad, so religious, but so bad, until he was met on the road uh, to Damascus and knocked off his beast and he was born again. Then his life really began. And he started off well, and he ended well. His final words to young Timothy before he loses his life, it's, it's the final words that he shares with Timothy that he didn't waver in his life. The final words he shares in his, in his letter to Timothy that his heart was steadfast toward God. He says, well, if you want to look there with me, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I have it in my notes for us to turn there, so let's just see it as we head out. The opposite of King Saul. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. This is what I want to be able to be said at, at my funeral. My memorial service is what I want to be able to set if, if somebody decides to bury me and put a stone there. This is what I want on it. This is what I want to be remembered for. This is what I, my life's goal and where I'm aiming in a practical way where he says in verse 6, I'm already poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure at hand, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. And finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. And even if I'm, even if uh, those, my family members, however it goes down, even if I'm cremated, I just want to be remembered this way. Because my body is, you know, after, I, I just know that after I die, that my ministry here on earth is over. So while I'm alive, I want to give all that I can to the things of God. Because once it's done, it's done. That's it. Once we take our last breath, the only thing that's left is our, well, is our reputation. What, what do we leave? What kind of life do we live? Well, we pray that you'll finish your life strong and receive a well-done good and faithful servant from our Lord. 
With that challenge, we'll draw our series in 1 Samuel to a close on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. You can hear these radio programs on our website any time of the day or night at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. And we have a couple of podcasts as well. You can listen to Abounding Grace and Lead to Serve wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, that's Lead, the number two, Serve. In it, Pastor Ed discusses the value of servant leadership. Well, today we want to tell you about an excellent book titled Thriving in Babylon. I think you'd agree we live in a fast-changing and godless society. It's actually similar in many ways to the culture Daniel found himself in. He faced fears about the future, concern for his safety, and the discouragement of a world that seemed to be falling apart. With hope, humility, and wisdom, Daniel thrived and changed an empire while he was at it by God's abounding grace. Hear all about it in Thriving in Babylon by Larry Osborne. We'll send it to you for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it at calvaryco.store on the web. And please remember that your gifts help to make this program possible. We look to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in this ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Tomorrow, we'll begin 2 Samuel. In the coming weeks, we go through each chapter and verse with you right here on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.